Hey guys, welcome to Becoming Legendary, a podcast from Vitality where we talk this week with Grant Iflander about his journey towards becoming legend. Grant is a really interesting guy. He's a yoga teacher, a very talented yoga teacher who will hopefully be making his way onto the Vitality schedule with our next schedule change. He's also um, kind of what I'm defining as a primal bioha- biohacker. Grant really uses the tools ingrained in himself to hack his biology, uses his breath, his voice, his connection in nature in really different ways, really ancient ways um, to heal his body. So without further ado, let's get into Becoming Legendary with Grant Iflander. Thank you for coming on Becoming Legendary. How are you, man? I'm really, really well. Thank you for asking. Yeah. So I start out every podcast by asking the typical day in your life. So can you run us through what the typical day in your life looks like? And I, this is such a fun question because it's like how many details? <laughs> yeah, do you, do you, all of them. <laughs> <do> you, <laughs> you want all of the details. <clears throat> start to finish. Um. Okay, well, I wake up anywhere between 5 and 6 a.m. It gets, it changes with the season. You know, it's usually about an hour or so before sunrise. It just depends whenever that is. So I'll sleep in a little more during winter. But as it's spring and coming summer, it's getting earlier and earlier. <clears throat> so I'll get up. Uh, first thing I do is... Well, lately, I've really started to become aware of the first thought that I have upon consciously being awake. And it's been like a super powerful practice for me because, you know, how often do we wake up and we're still carrying like something from the previous day or or think usually it's like a pointer in in a very important direction. It's kind of giving us the, the primary objective that we're not dealing with or... You know, it's like this subconscious thought. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to take notice of that and then direct it towards something that's uplifting or positive or inspiring. And so this morning I actually thought about you. I was, my my intention was to notice the first thought, which I can't remember exactly what it was, but then direct it towards something uplifting and positive. Mm-hmm. So I just felt grateful, gratitude towards this opportunity. Yeah. And, and that looks, it's very similar day to day. So the, become aware of the first thought, direct it towards some form of gratitude of something happening in my life or how I'm excited about being awake, you know, just simple things. Yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, so that was, that was, uh, that has been a cool experiment for me cause it's recent, um, really integrating it into my experience, that first conscious thought. Um, so I, so I get up, I become aware of my thought, become aware of my thinking process. I'll stand up, I'll make my bed, 
smooth the sheet, make it look nice. And uh, I like to, you know, I think I picked that up from Tim Ferriss's podcast. Okay. But I, I was doing it prior to hearing about it. I was like, oh, no wonder that makes so much <laughs> sense. You know, it's like it's an easy thing to do. I feel good about doing it. My room looks nicer. Yeah. It just gets the ball rolling. So that carries, that first conscious thought carries into like being uplifted and being happy to make my bed and be feeling joyful just to, just to be existing in a new day. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll stand, I'll put my arms overhead and I'll breathe five times. And each breath I try to feel into my fingertips. Okay. And it's just, just as much as I'm feeling into my fingertips, I try to feel into my toes. So I'm trying to breathe into my whole body during that time. And during this process, it's very easy for the thought, like that first kind of momentum I've created, it's easy for that to start to slip away. So it's like, oh, what are you doing? You know, you could be back in bed, da da da, like the old, <clears throat> the old parts of you that are, that are clawing their way to slow you down or whatever that we're all dealing with daily. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just create as much space in my body so that that energy can move and flow and feel good. And I'm reaching and breathing. Uh, after that, those five breaths, I go into my bathroom and I'll pee. <laughs> and re recently I've been incorporating amaroli into my morning routine. So that's the consumption of urine. So you pee partially into the toilet, take a midstream urine, I take it in a little copper vessel. It helps with uh, uh, some of the it destroys some of the impurities mm -hmm. and <clears throat> so I'll down that uh, in fact <laughs> you know the first couple times I started doing this because this, I incorporated that uh, years ago into my practice when I first read about it mm -hmm. and I remember the first few times there's just so much resistance to doing it. it's like I'm about to drink my own piss with that yeah. Boy, am I that hardcore you know kind of thing or yeah. or or what what's the big deal and <clears throat> and now it's 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 a joy because it's like okay I'm taking this diagnostic readout of all of the metabolites that are going through my body the yeah. night during sleep because we're repairing incredible amounts of our body during sleep it's where all the repair occurs <clears throat> and all of those metabolites are being uh, released into our our bloodstream which is then filtered into our kidneys and then our kidneys yep. excrete it and so I I I liken it to a, just, it's like a computer readout. Like my body's getting this, it's like checking the dipstick on the oil. And when I first started doing that and started doing it consistently, my body started to um, just immediately recognize where it was deficient in things. And I would have like these, these clear directives of like consume more of this specific thing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I started doing, I started listening to those, those, that inner noise or yeah. those inner messages and it just radically shifted, uh, how I view food and how I view consuming and, and what my body needs. And, uh, cause when I first started doing it, I was just eating the same thing every time, every day, day in, day out. <clears throat> and I was healthy. I felt healthy. I felt good. And those, you know, the feeling of being healthy can be a, uh, we can reach, uh, levels of comfort in that. And it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm performing good. I'm sleeping good. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, but is there, 
are we doing everything that can be done? Mm -hmm. And if we're not, then are we okay with that? Because if we're not okay with that, then there's something that needs to be changed. Yeah. So Amaroli has been uh, re reintroduced into my my morning practice, and, and it feels good. It feels right. Uh, so then I do that. I exit the bathroom. I go into my studio. I have a yoga studio in my my house, which is awesome. Uh, if the weather's nice, which is starting to get nicer, I'll practice outside facing the rising sun. And right now it's a little bit cooler in the morning, so I just I practice in my studio, still facing east. I'll practice anywhere about an hour and a half, typically 90 minutes. Um, sometimes I begin with meditation. Almost, or always I end in meditation, but sometimes it's beginning and ending. Sometimes I just jump right into uh, sun salutation is, is how I start every practice. Uh, I bow to the sun. I bow to our own inner force that animates me, that thing that got me out of bed. You know, there's yeah. clearly this blazing ball of fire that goes through the day and, and, and gives everything life. You know, yeah. it's like this beautiful symbol of life. And that thing exists in all things because... It's clearly giving life to the, the plants and animals that feed off of the sun. Right. Or the animals feed off the plants that feed off the sun. But I'm as much a part of it as it is a part of me. And it's the most important thing for me to acknowledge that first thing in the day and, and bow to it. So sun salutation, which is <clears throat> obviously a fundamental sequence of yoga postures. Um, and I really got into like studying like what it what is the significance of this because I've been doing it every day for almost four years now. <clears throat> and so Surya Namaskar was the first, uh, from my, my sort of reading and research on it, was the first time meditation and movement met. met. <clears throat> and it was really interesting because it was like, at the time, there was two forms of worship when this, when this occurred, when this, this merge occurred. There was... Uh, there's the people who just sat and they they prayed and they worshiped their divine spirit or whatever whatever their higher yeah. power was. There was just meditation, the monks sitting, and then there was people who were like performing rituals and, ex and dancing ecstatically, basically moving their bodies. But nowhere had there been a <clears throat> like a meet in the middle about this. And so finally, Suri Namaskar was when they were like, wait a second, we can make these two things mm. one and the same. And so that was, and that was a, the first mention of that. I can't remember what text it was in, but it was somewhere around like 2000 years ago. Okay. And then we have the birth of like all the asanas and yeah. things like that. Because <clears throat> the original asana is just this seat, right? Mm -hmm. It's a sitting posture. So, yeah, I, I love it, man. I, I love... I love bowing to my own source, you know, it's just something that just, it's like, I can't wait to, to get up in the morning and to do that. And so I, I perform my, my, my homage to my own self yeah. and, and then whatever my practice looks like after that, usually there's structure, almost always there is, um, very, very infrequently there's no structure and I just go straight into something, whatever, and then meditate. But, uh, yeah, so for all accounts and purposes, it's sun salutation followed by some series of postures that my body needs 
currently it's it's a forward fold of some sort it's a back bend of some sort a twist of some sort and an inversion of some sort i stick to those four uh, basic okay. movements because my spine is only capable of moving in those ways and so if i can always hit yeah. if i can always hit those things in the morning yeah and combine that with breath then my my spine is now charged it's now open it's it's ready to receive whatever needs to come in I complete with a series of uh, pranayamas uh, combined with bandha and mudra so my body can contain whatever has been liberated in the kind of the trapped bits of my body and now I create a container for the energy using the breathing exercises using the the internal locks in in yogic terminology and once that container is created meditation is easy you know sitting is is actually easy because before any of this you know we can sit but most of the time we're sitting and thinking and meditation is not sitting and thinking it's it's actually transcending and moving beyond the thinking it's uh and it's a really special thing to experience and, and to know that we're capable of that um, we just have to do things in the right order and the right kind of way to, so that the body and the mind are connected and harmonized and in the heart. Yeah. So you can share. Uh, I think there's a, yeah, there's a lot. We got, we got a lot now. <laughs> for sure. Um, for sure. Hey, thanks for, thanks for walking us through that. I think, um, one of the things that you can really apparently see from the way you lay out your day is that you have given your life over to the pursuit of yoga. Um, and that's, and I don't know if given is the right term, but you, you passionately pursue yoga daily. Um, that's, a, that's a relatively recent phenomena for you. It's in the last four years. Is that, is that what it is, four years? Yeah, July 2014 I started. Okay. Um, and I think that idea, the idea of, um, we, we've talked about this, we've talked about this previously, giving up the corporate world, um, and, and, and moving towards this, this really different pursuit is, um, it's, it's really, I think a lot of people admire it but they do it from from like behind this bulletproof glass pane where it's like, oh, that's a cool thing for you to do, but mm-hmm. I could never do something like that. Like I live over in this other world where the bullets are, but you're behind this bulletproof glass and that's fine for you. Sure. Like we're safe on our own sides. Sure. Um, and I think it's interesting on, on a couple levels because the reality is there's a, there's a, 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 corporate or um a business side of yoga too and you participate in that world also right like the only way not to participate in the the business side is to practice by yourself at home um but when whenever you when anytime you enter any studio or anytime you enter any place where there's um an exchange of of anything really you're participating in this in this business of yoga for sure um and I think it, I think that like the dichotomy of the idea that yoga is this really pure pursuit, and the reality of there's like, businesses that's kind of how our world works, and this is the world we live in. We can't pretend that we don't live in this world. I think people 
I think it's easy to get lost in in the like in the waves between those two realities. And the reality is there are only one reality. We've just created this fictitious dichotomy between these two spaces. Mm-hmm. So one, I really I want to get into kind of how I find it really interesting um, when people are able to make yoga their life because it's not easy. It's de- it's and there's a reason that however many yoga teachers there are, there's a very small percentage that are able to sustain themselves with just yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, how did how did that happen for you? I, like what what were the key components for you making this a reality? Yeah. That's a, such a good question. I'm excited to unpack this one because, you know, we never really know about ourselves until we reflect with yeah. another person and someone on the other side of us asking the, yeah. the right question. So thank you for yeah for opening <laughs> that up because it's like you know I feel I wrote this morning how just grateful I am and to feel you know I'm so inspired by the people around me that reflect that to me because <clears throat> like you said the people on the other side of the bulletproof glass that are saying, oh, that's great for you, but I'm gonna stay here and do this. It's like, awesome, you know, good. Yeah. I'm glad that I can do it for you yeah. kind of thing. But it's, you know, and it's not in like a selfish way and it's not yeah. in like a, oh, I'm better than you way. It's like, look, I'm gifted to this opportunity to pursue this, Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And I'm gonna bring back whatever I can from the unknown and hopefully have refined it into a message that's digestible by the modern human. Yeah. You know, cause in, you know, I've, in a way I've created the cave in the mountain that I can sit and meditate in that the yogis would do, you know, thousands of years ago, they would leave home and then they would go find the master in the cave and then they would just sit and practice these teachings for decades. Yeah. <clears throat> in a way I've kind of created that reality in, in the reality that I'm in, which is a world with a house and a mortgage and in a community, you know? So how did I make it work? It was more of a, it was one of those things where it didn't matter what else happened. It was going to work. Yeah. And I, I kind of started to feel that way when, it, there was like bigger forces than me aligning aligning and kind of running the show and I was in it but kind of overwhelmed by the whole the uh, what's the word I'm looking for it's very serendipitous you know it was very the right thing happened at the right time for me to go here to do this yeah. to get this to happen for this to line up so um the short answer is just faith. You know, I, I, I had just known that this path was meant to be walked for me and my body in this time in my life. And for how long, I don't know, but it's been that way. And it's consistently been able to pay me and reward me in more than just the monetary. Cause you know, I took the, I took a, (laughs) a massive pay cut leaving, you know, mortgage banking to, teaching yoga full-time yeah and um the interesting thing is that i i just have developed such a a a very unique relationship to money in that way because i understand that if 
if I'm really meant to be doing this, then, and of course, I mean, there's bills to be paid. There's a world to live in. I've got to make sure that I'm paying for my rent and, and food on my table and all of this stuff. And I'm not just haphazardly like neglecting the, the, the real world mm-hmm. in a sense, because we're fully in both worlds. Like you said, there is one reality. And, yeah. and uh, so the gift has been that I've consistently just, you know, maintained faith on the path and the opportunities have presented themselves um, repeatedly, you know, Hey, get an invitation to go to Costa Rica and teach a co-host a retreat and get paid enough money to, you know, pay half of my bills for the year Yeah, and, and then teach enough classes a week to pay for food. And, and, you know, I ride my bicycle most places, so I don't, and I don't have a car. I don't have a car payment. I don't have car insurance. Um, I'm blessed with owning my home, which I purchased before leaving my corporate gig. So I have renters that help me pay the mortgage. Yeah. And I've really just narrowed my expenses to a very minimal, you know, minimal effective dose, if yeah. you will. And <clears throat> and now I can I can sit back and just in. in do the practice, you know, partake in life to the degree that I need to be present in both of those worlds and make sure that I'm not neglecting one in favor of the other because it's, it's impossible to separate the two. And I, I made that mistake big time the first couple years on the path, but I think it was necessary because I had to kind of swing hardcore into one world, mm-hmm. the pendulum moving from like the material into the spiritual. Yeah. It had to really swing far into the spiritual for me to realize that this is there's no separation you know there's there's automatically going to yeah be a balance what well what manifested as the mistakes like the first couple years what was the what was the the things you tripped over the biggest thing was just like the you know i replaced the ego i had created around the identity of who i was with just another ego, you know, I just replaced the, the, the successful corporate businessman, um, in shape weightlifter with a spiritual yogi kind of thing where I was just like, Oh, you gotta, you know, you gotta be vegan. You can't drink coffee. You can't, you know, indulge in sensory pleasures. I was just very, I lived an austere life. Mm. Um, very hardcore in a hardcore sense because yeah. I was so like captivated by yeah. what I thought I needed to do. Yeah. <clears throat> so that, those were the mistakes that, that helped kind of bring me to where I'm at now because it's still, it's still like establishing balance in, in all ways. Yeah. It, and that, that's exactly it. Right. And we, I think we've talked about this before, but especially when you're really passionate about something, the finding yourself at the extreme edges is really easy. And I think, I think it's a really like everybody everybody uh, thinks it's really hard to to be um, extreme like if you said to most people hey I'm not going to drink coffee anymore that's really easy to do like it's the reality is it's really easy because all you have to do is not put coffee in your mouth it's really (laughs) hard to say I'm going to have one sip of coffee every single day that's a hard thing to do because when sure. you get that little taste, then there's that draw and you get that pull every day. 
So it's much harder to, to live in a balanced, moderate world than it is to live in an extreme world. And that's not like it's not saying that it doesn't require discipline to be extreme, mm-hmm. but developing the discipline uh, of being extreme and developing the discipline of being moderate and reasonable are really two different talents. And moderate and reasonable is a much, much deeper level of of understanding yourself. And I think it took you a couple years to get to that, which is, which is awesome. (laughs) Still still working on it, dude. It's like, everybody is. We're all, you know, it's like the Buddha was famous for his asceticism and then swinging the other way. And then, you know, he woke up on the, on the banks of a river and was like, man, I can't appreciate the beauty that's in front of me if I'm eating one grain of rice a day, you know, I need to do, I need to be in both worlds. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, that, well, the, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it, man. Cause it is the most fun dancing in between, you know, dancing into, yeah, just both, both worlds. And I also think it's really important, um, or valuable for people who have, uh, especially people who like really early got really passionate, really aggressive into the, the, the corporate system, mm-hmm. um, to, to come back out because, um, and again, just like you said, there's not, everybody's path is their own path and there's no right or wrong path. It's just your path. But I think there's so much value in someone understand, like if, if you grew up in this yogic world, you don't, you can't connect to people who have nine to five jobs in the same way as someone who's existed in that world and understands the stress and understands that, yeah, every single day you, you go somewhere and someone who doesn't really know about your job tells you to do something that doesn't really make sense and it's really frustrating and then you send off an email that someone didn't read and it would have solved all these problems but it's your fault somehow because someone didn't read this thing like you know all these things happen but I think it's really important <laughs> that was amazing by the way Patrick <laughs> yeah, that's that's corporation yeah, that, that's what sure. it's like and it's for frustrating sure. and it's it's grinding and it's really hard Um, and, and to be able to cope with that constant stress on our nervous system, Mm -hmm. we need to find outside practices that heal our body, that restore our energy, that, that give us the vitality Mm -hmm. to exist. And if we don't, we lose our minds. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we, we have to, as this yogic community, be here to support the people that are like working the economy because the reality is we're not working the economy we're like barely participating on the fringe for sure um so there but but there needs to be support for people that go do these things that are really dangerous for their bodies that's that's like robert sapolsky's everyone on the planet should read why zebras don't get ulcers because it's just an amazing breakdown of the human physiology. Yeah. Oh man. I had no idea. I've heard that book and I, I know it. I know who that is. Polsky's so. pretty, pretty incredible. Dude. He's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had no idea he wrote that. Yeah. So, so that book is all about, um, how mm-hmm. our bodies are designed for these acute, short bouts of extreme stress. Yeah. And when we see a lion and we're out in the Sahara, that's a that's a really important situation where we need our stress level to go up to 10. Yeah. When we get an email 
that says, you screwed this up, that sends our stress response up to that lion response at mm-hmm. 10. And that's not a fair thing to happen. Right. Because emails and lions do not provide an equivalent danger for our, for our physiology, mm-hmm. but we respond in the same way. Right. So yoga, like I think it's even more important now than it was 2,000 years ago. Because there's for so sure. much chaos in the normal human existence. So it's like it's for me it's important that people like you are coming out of the corporate world and injecting themselves into the yogic world because you're able to communicate in ways that someone who doesn't have that understanding might not be able to do. So for sure. Just thanks for doing that. Sure. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean dude, it's it is amazing. Like you said, it's probably more important today than it was two thousand years ago, and that's sort of the message Krishna Macharya had was Krishnamacharya is, for those who don't know, is like the father of modern yoga. He's the guy who, um, in the early 1900s, left his home, uh, was was learning yoga as a young, as a teenage boy. It was like this is the thing, you know. I got to learn more about that because at the time it was it was a male-dominated, um, secretive practice done by people who were basically secluded in the jungle or funded by royal families to yeah. to keep these teachings alive and so he he went off found his teacher his learned all like you know studied with him for eight years in a cave his teacher said now your repayment to me because at the time the traditional way is to repay the teacher um with whatever they ask it wasn't monetary it didn't necessarily need to be anything specific but whatever he asked you had to, you were obligated and so his teacher his guru said krishnamacharya you got to go and teach this to the householders and, and the people that that need this, you know, and in that to me it's amazing because it's absolutely true. We have this technology. Yoga is a technology. It's something we can use, just like an iPhone, yeah. to benefit everything, all layers of our being that we know of, and the ones we cannot measure. Yeah. Right? We're we're able to change brain chemistry, the neurophysiology. We're able to change the release of neurotransmitters, and just like. The, the, the fluctuation in the nervous system between sympathetic and parasympathetic, yeah. the functioning of, in, in the simplest way, we're just improving the communication between the brain and the body. Yeah. That's it. You know, most of the time, because of, like you mentioned, we're, we're disconnected to our body in such a fashion that an email is as much of a danger as a lion yeah. because the brain can't tell the difference between a real or perceived threat. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing. It, yeah. It's just going to respond. And it's going to change the physiology and mobilize glucose out of the tissue into the bloodstream. And then you have sticky blood for elevated periods of time because yeah. sugar is sticky. You know, yeah. and if you have overly sticky blood, then what does that happen? Hypertension and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, we, we can go on and on and on and list all of the, yep. the things that are happening, you know, when we get that email. But the truth is, if the brain and the body are in union in yoga, because yoga just means union, mm-hmm. then the body is giving all of the signals from the environment. The body is basically the feeler mm-hmm. for the brain. How does the environment it feel? Yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> and it's getting all of the data and it's gathering it and it's sending that up into the brain. But if there's a disconnection happening, then it's only getting a portion of what the environment's saying. And then the brain is filling in the rest of the portion with memories and traumas and experiences that it's had. And then we get a computer printout from the brain that says, fight, you know, you gotta, this yeah. is dangerous. But then, and then the brain sends that signal to the body and then the body's like, 
gearing up to fight and then we're screwed because yep. we're already too far along the path. It's, I really, I really like, I mean, I, I think we lose the idea of, of yoga really connecting the brain and the body, right? Mm. Like it's ridiculous because mind body connection is used every day in this really cliche way. It's the dominant yoga scheduling software uh, on the right. planet. Right. As unethical as that company may be. Um, <laughs> they, they definitely own, like mind body is out there in the yoga world. Mm -hmm. So it's, but it's become, it's become so cliche that you don't even, I mean, honestly, how many times a day might you hear that mind body connection, but you don't really put it in that you're actually connecting your physical body to the, the experience that your physical body is having right. with the way your brain is actually processing what's happening in your world. Right. So I, I really, I really like the way you actually succinctly put that all together in a, in a really digestible way. And I find, I find this concept um, really hard for people. And I think you really touched on it in, in, a, in a great way where our brain doesn't have nerves. Our brain, our brain really has no way to experience the world. It only experiences the world through these other biological interfaces right. that are plugged into the brain, right? So your totally. eyes give this ability to see by hooking into the, into the optic areas of your brain that mm -hmm. create these images around us. Isn't that cool? It's, in, it's insane. So cool. It's, it's insane. It is insane. And I think, and we, you and I, I touched it. on this a little bit uh, last time we sat down. It's why neurofeedback is so um, interesting. And, and so, so the ability, it has this ability to profoundly change you because it, it gives you a direct connection to your brain and how your brain's actually responding to things. And I try this analogy a lot and, and it doesn't really connect. So maybe you can help me refine this a little bit. Let's do it. So the way I talk about, um, the way I, I like to... <clears throat> give people what what neurofeedback is doing is I like to use the a baby analogy because when babies first start to move they're just ran like they're just flailing around and it's not that they're flailing around because they they like to flail around it's because their brain doesn't know what their signals do mm -hmm. so the brain sends out a signal and it's basically just a random signal and the signal ends up making the hand move your body has to learn that that specific signal makes your hand move. Mm -hmm. And we, until you, until you master that, you, your, your brain can't connect. And it's not that, and, and like, if you, if you have a, if you have a spinal injury, you don't, you don't lose the musculature of something that like, if you, if you lost the ability to move your leg because of a spinal injury, it's not because the leg can't move. It's because you can't communicate to the leg to move. Right. So these signals that are coming, that are coming out from your brain create this movement, but the signals that are coming back to your brain are the same thing. Like if your finger touches something, you have to learn, oh, it touch. it's why when babies touch a hot thing, right. like they have to learn, oh, 
that's painful and it takes a while. Right. <laughs> it's like, put your hand on a hot plate. Oh, oh yeah, that hurt. Right. So we, we have this like two way thing. And I like the translation of babies because you can see it. Like you can physically see, they don't know what they're doing. They're just sure. flailing about. But over time, we learn to do things. For sure. And I always use the analogy of like, we think now we can control our body. Mm-hmm. But raise your middle toe and let's do that. Like you can do it. <laughs> Which but one? The middle one. You might be able to do it. I can do the pinky toe. <laughs> this one? Yeah. <laughs> I can do it. Bro. I know. But we could, right? If we spend enough time, we have the ability to do that because we can raise all of our toes. It's just we haven't taught ourselves to raise that one toe because it right. hasn't been a thing that we've re- required ourselves to do. Right, right. But if we spent enough time, we could surely move our toes just like our fingers. Yeah, for sure. So it's... um <clears throat> Neural feedback gives you those same signals. You can see on a screen, mm-hmm. oh, my brain is in this state. And if I if I make this thought pattern happen, mm-hmm. my brain shifts to this state. And we can learn to shift our brain waves visually mm-hmm. in the same way that we can learn to curl our finger. Mm-hmm. Like So we can learn to calm our body. We can learn to calm our brain in the same way we can learn to curl our finger by using this technology that we have. That's a that's a really amazing thing For sure. that people I, I don't everyone should have one of those in their house, quite honestly. <laughs> Neurofeedback machine. Yeah. So let's uh well I don't know if you wanted were we going to refine and was there a question there? Uh, so my goal is to how can I commute so how, I feel like I lose that message and it's probably because I'm too long winded, but how, like, I really want to find a way to communicate what neurofeedback is. So maybe gotcha. you can, maybe you can help kind of funnel that down how you describe neurofeedback to people. Okay, sure. So, um, yeah, it's, so I'm like, in a sense, just referring to the neurofeedback that we can create on our own self using just the body. Yeah. And in a yogic sense, we refer to those two channels that you mentioned as the Ida and Pingala, mm-hmm. right? It's just the, it's the in and the out. Yeah. You know, we have to receive information from the outside, but we also have to send out a command mm-hmm. in order to do something with that information. Yeah. And so there's, there's an, there's a in and an out, there's an up and the up and a down sort of binary sequence happening between us and the environment always. And the body is the interface because like you mentioned, the sense organs, the yep. eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, the hands, these things help us perceive the digital signals from the environment because it's just vibration. We're just getting this this frequency in our eyeballs and then I'm converting it into an image in my brain. But where does that image occur? Is it out here or is it in here? We don't really know. Like yeah. The science is, is kind of stumped in the idea of how consciousness works, but we do know that it, that consciousness exists and we do understand, like you mentioned from neurofeedback that there's ways we can interact with our own brains and our own interpretation of reality and make it a clear signal. And I think the important thing to realize is that like the baby, we are still sending out signals into the body and those signals are not received, not fully received by the body because there's, there's energetic blockages in the way. Yeah. And in a very practical Western scientific 
way of understanding that we have physical tension and that physical attention is blocking our ability to let the mind roam and be expansive because the mind's ultimately expansive. It's just, we can comprehend pretty much anything, which yeah. is amazing to think. Yeah. But we close ourselves off from comprehending anything because it's scary. It's, you know, comprehending something that's infinite or bigger than us is inherently mortally dangerous. Yeah. And so the, the, the way yoga provides neurofeedback is it's a, it's a, um, basically an inescapable biofeedback mechanism. You put your body in this posture and you hold it for enough time. That posture is going to give you all of the messages that you need to hear in the time frame that you're there. Yeah. Provided we are practicing with intention and with, with this motive in mind that like I'm, I'm here to, to notice something, to hear the story that I'm telling myself and I'm not here just to get some exercise, you know? And when we get that, when we get the message, you know, cause every posture is a story, every posture we ever put ourselves in, our body's telling a story. It's retelling the story of what is this posture? Who am I? Who am I today? What am I, what are my intentions? That's, that's our body. And the biofeedback, the neurofeedback that, that happens from any posture or just sitting is you're just getting a loop. You're getting yeah. a loop of what is the most repeating thought that you have. Can you notice it and can you let it go? Because if you can't let it go, that thought is going to stay in your, in your body and it's going to return. And that's, that's the whole conscious thought experiment yeah. I've been doing. Cause what's the one that, that I'm not consciously thinking that's what my body's saying. And then yeah. because consciousness comes from, as we know, it comes from the frontal lobe, which is the part of our brain that allows us to, um, basically, uh, do all the things that human beings are uniquely human for, you mm -hmm. know, we can, we can work together. We can collaborate language. We can imagine a future that's better than today. We can rationally decide to do things. We can emotionally invest ourselves in something. These are emotion. We can be creative. These are frontal lobe activities and it's where we can, um, focus our attention on something that we want that doesn't currently exist. So we can, we can jump outside of the present moment and think of something beyond the present moment. Yeah. And then we can make, take actions and steps towards making that future thing a reality. And that is amazing. That's why all of this exists. That's why this podcast, you know, human beings are freaking awesome, dude. And it's because of this frontal lobe and, uh, connecting consciousness that comes from the frontal lobe to the unconscious self, which is the body. It's just the storage of all of the other stuff that we have going on. Yeah. Linking those two together is this neurofeedback that's constantly occurring. Yeah. So a device, I'd love to learn more about devices yeah. that we can use that can actually give us printouts of what's happening, but it can also be done internally if you're, yeah. if you're just diligent enough. Yeah. So, so I think there's a, there's an Americanization of, um, maybe it's just a modernization of, of the practice, right? That where almost more important than what we're getting out of the practice is 
what we're wearing to the practice, the mat we're practicing on, how our hair looks, how the person next to us compares to what we're doing, that creates this, uh, this wall mm. between um, finding the depth of the practice, right? Because if, mm. if we allow our practice to be distracted by all of the modern day BS that we're trying to escape from, mm-hmm. we, lose, um, we lose some of that. So the, the, uh, we not lose we lose a lot of our ability to to connect to what's happening internally. Mm-hmm. How how can we help people um, break free of that? I think yeah. you know every single person that's practicing yoga is amazing and awesome, and uh, it's it, it's helping people, no doubt. For sure. But there's more, there's more there. For sure. Um, it doesn't always have to be about the next trick you can do. For sure. So how, how do we, how do we help people? Yeah, that's, dude, that's like my question daily. Cause it's what I do. You know, I, yeah. lo- I love, I love practice. I love yoga. I love the path that I'm on and, and how it allows me to connect to people. And, and like you said, I'm, you know, hats off to the people who are anybody who's doing yoga. Just, yeah. just the fact that they found the practice yes. to begin with is it's like the the biggest initiation that could ever occur because yeah. they're waking up to a reality that's bigger than them. Yeah. And anytime we wake up to a reality that's bigger than us, we connect to more people, we connect to the world, we connect to causes that are actually beneficial in a universal setting. And if we connect to those causes just once a month, yeah man, like it changes who we are forever and it changes our entire world and it changes all the people in it. And, and it we'll is, put away our shopping yeah. carts. <laughs> you know, we'll put away. <laughs> yes, and we'll make our beds in the morning. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like it's just ir- ir- irreversibly changes who we are and how we how we view the world. And yeah. um, so so to start just saying thank you to everyone who, who is sure. doing, you know, because we all know we're trying to do the best we can and like, you know, thank you for, for consistently doing that and how we can connect more people to the depth of the practice. One, we ourselves connect because when, when people, when people feel the depth of our own connection, they're like, something's going on. It's a great point. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, there's no, there's a lot of yoga teachers that teach yoga without practicing yoga. Yeah. And then, and ultimately to, to me, that's not a teacher. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a person who wants to talk about something yeah. that they may think they know something about, but ultimately it's like, you can't lead somebody where you've never been. Yeah. You just cannot. And, and so for me, the teaching of yoga occurs all the time throughout the day. Every single person I talk to, I'm teaching yoga mm-hmm. because I'm not, it's not me that's teaching anything. It's the teachings of the yoga are alive in me simply because I've adhered to them. And it's that way for anybody who's practicing yoga, anybody who practices yoga ever, the teaching is alive in them to the degree that they connected to their own practice. Mm. And that's the most important part of it to me. And it's what inspires me to keep going. Cause it's like, dang, the deeper I go in my own practice, the easier it becomes to connect to people. Mm. Oh, what a coincidence. Wow. This person is really progressing in their practice. Maybe it's because I'm progressing in my own practice. Mm. Wow. My cues, my 
teach my classes are filling up my pe people are appreciating my classes more oh it's because i've really enlivened my own practice huh and it's like these coincidences they're not coincidences you know and i, I love it because it's a self-supporting journey yeah and and it's rewarding as heck because all I want to do is connect to people and inspire them. And the only way I can do that is if I connect to myself and inspire yeah. myself. Mm. Mm. I like that. I, I think that's, <clears throat> that is the, that's a really, is a really nice um, insight in that. <laughs> and it goes to everything, right? Like for sure it goes, it's, you have to start with changing yourself. So it's really easy to uh, fight against things and hold up signs and tell other people to do different things. Um, but you have to, if you want, if you want to make an impact, you have to start by by changing yourself and, and getting your own BS in line. For sure. Um, I think mm, I love that. I really love yeah. that. I think that's a really powerful way to kind of approach life. Yeah, thank, thank you. I mean, it's... I love it too because we can really look into the world. The world exists to set us free. It's, uh, it's like a quote, not paraphrased from the Yoga Sutras. And I, I, love, uh, I love the Yoga Sutras for just the depth and simplicity of the wisdom. And I mean, it's just, it's the book. If you want to know yoga, study the sutras. And in that, the world exists to set us free because we look at the people or the things or the circumstances that trigger us the most. And it's like exactly what we need to see where we can clean up our own junk. Mm -hmm. We can, you know, if this person's really pissing me off because they're doing this thing, mm -hmm. then where am I in my own self also performing that? Maybe not the, like, the same image is happening, but I'm neglectful in the same manner. And because of that, I'm judging this person for yeah. it. And it's mm -hmm. just so like, as soon as we shift that, the way of looking at the world, it's like, man, there's, there's never enough work to do, but it's always the most rewarding work because mm -hmm. it's no longer, it's no longer, I'm no longer fighting against something I can't change, but I'm given the exact thing I can change and like, offered opportunities to do it endlessly. Yeah. So it's, it's just really, really cool. <clears throat> it is really cool. You know, if, like the shopping cart example, if, if seeing a shopping cart just not put away is irritating, yeah, then the best thing you can do is put your shopping cart away. Yeah. And if you do that joyously and not like resentfully, yeah, the shopping cart you see eventually is going to be, oh, I, I have compassion for that person because at one point I was not that, I was not that person. Or, or at one point I was that person and now I'm, now I'm, hopefully me setting an example for myself yeah. gives me an opportunity to be free of yeah. that struggle. I think you can take it a step farther with shopping carts because shopping carts are so simple, right? Like, you can take it further with anything. Yes, but shopping, like you're 100% you're right and you have to. You can't yell at someone else for not putting away their shopping cart <laughs> if you're leaving your shopping cart next to your car. For that doesn't make sense. Right, but... <laughs> Yes, but you can also, yes, if yes. you see a shopping cart, you can put it away. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't even have to be yours. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can be the guy who picks up a shopping cart and puts it away. And then the thing mm -hmm. I like to do mm -hmm. um, that became like part of my <laughs> thing is when I see someone putting their cart away, 
I just go over and thank them. Mm -hmm. And I say, thank you so much. Like, this is a thing that a lot of people don't do. And I think it's awesome that you do this. Mm -hmm. I think people should be rewarded for doing the right thing. Even if it's not like a big deal, it's cool for people to be like, wow, that that was awesome. Yeah. So I I really think like anytime you can bring these little bits of joy to somebody's life. Yes. I've talked about this before and I might've talked about this with you, but like how many times do you go through life and you see like an opportunity to, to offer help to somebody and then by the time you've like calculated it through your brain, like, could I help this person? What would they do? It's like the, the opportunity's gone. <laughs> right. And it's just like, if you see an opportunity to help somebody, just go help yeah. them. There's yeah. no calculation that needs to be done. Just right. go do it. For sure. And I think, for sure. I think once you get your, your BS in line, that's a much easier thing to do, right? Like when you know you're living authentically, mm-hmm. um, it, then you're not you're not making calculations about the world. You're not For living sure. through calculations. You're just living. For sure. And just living is, um, I think it's something that people are scared of. Like that that concept sounds really derogatory. Oh, they're just living. It's what we should all be striving for. Right. Like just do your thing. Totally. Be you. Totally. And be nice. Be nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just don't be a dick about it. I see. Yeah. I say, I, you know, vegan, vegetarian, paleo, carnivore, yep. just don't be a dick about it totally. because you live in you and being an, it's like ultimately we're uplifted and inspiring just, just authentically being us. Mm-hmm. And that alone is what's going to make me influenced in a positive way towards the directive that you're choosing to live. Yeah. You know, so if I meet the most awesome dude ever or girl or whatever and they're living up they're doing i'm like hey what is this guy doing and it's some practice i would have never thought of yeah i'm more inclined to behave yeah, in that manner for sure and like dude i thought of something and it's just it's so awesome that you mentioned you know thanking someone for putting their card away because like we could do that to ourselves too. And like just giving sure. ourselves credit. Yeah. You know, like you said, people are overwhelmed by this idea. Oh, I need to be better. Oh, I need to do these things. I need to get up early. I need to change my diet. I need to blah, 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 blah. I need to cut out this. And then it just builds and then they're just back into the contracted self. I can't do any of it. Yeah. So I'm just going to keep doing what I can yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, dude, just give yourself credit for the small things. Yeah. You know, and it's easier to give yourself credit for the small things when you're looking into the world specifically seeking people who are inspiring you and doing them so if you see someone walking and you're trying to start walking you can so radically shift your relationship to walking as an exercise or something that's good for you if you look at that person and you say wow they're doing something good for themselves this morning thank you for showing me that you know because sometimes when we're when we think we should do something and we don't do it very often we look at someone who is doing it and we say, Ugh, judge that I could be doing it better or yeah, for sure. And it's, but you're not. So yeah. just shut up and, yeah. you know, get back to what you can do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that, um, it's like looking at life through like a scarcity lens, right? Like if Definitely. they're walking, then there's less walking for me. The walking is the same. Every, you, you can do this. Like you cannot be jealous of somebody for doing something that you could do, right? Like, sure. Yeah. And, and but I think I think 
part of the there's a huge there's a huge problem in, mm-hmm. in people looking through life in a scarcity lens and i i was realizing it and i think it's easy um for yoga teachers to have this like <clears throat> or even this a yoga studio to look at life through a scarcity lens in that like there's not enough and we need to get these people like oh my class only had this many i want to have this many so i need to find more like there's the there's an abundance more. of people. There's mm-hmm. six million people in the Phoenix Metroplex. Gosh. I can promise you, five million of them probably have never done yoga before. They can you can promise me that. <laughs> so there's 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 an abundance of. I think the more you can look at life through mm-hmm. the lens of abundance, mm-hmm. as opposed to through the lens of scarcity, the better your life is going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think when we start to put that like that judgment on people for doing things that we know we should be doing Mm -hmm. or doing things like that we wish we could be doing. Right. You just, you're, you're, you're looking through the wrong lens on the world and it's that lens is going to reflect negatively back. It's going to impact you negatively. Right. Oh, I I think the food thing is one of those things that's really tough because everybody wants to be right about what they eat Mm -hmm. and you are right. For you. Right. So that's all you need to be right about. It doesn't matter for sure. what's right for the person next to you. For sure. And 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 I also think that it that one, I believe that the person with the most dietary restrictions should never get to choose the restaurant. Because I'm usually the person with the most dietary restaurant restrictions. So people are always like, where do you want to go? And I'm like, you guys pick a spot because you have normal lives. And I'll fit in where I can fit in for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really fair thing for, for people to do. I think when wow. someone has ridiculous amount of restrictions on what they're willing to put in their body, when they impose that on a group of people, it's it's really um, selfish. It's just selfish. That's it. There's no other way to look at it. So that's my, that's my number one rule for when you're going out with a group of people. You find out who has the most dietary restrictions and their, their opinion is the, is the least important. <laughs> Dude, that's so noble of you. I really, I, they, I, mean, I, I admire that. That's a, that's a noble way to look at it. And then on the other hand, when you go out with someone who, like, because this happens to me all the time too, or it used to happen to me, especially in the corporate world, where I would end up all right, so we go to a steakhouse and I'm like, cool, let's go to a steakhouse. I, I'm a vegetarian or I'm a vegan, depending on what time of my life we're going out. Mm-hmm. I'll go sit down with you guys. I'll order a salad with no dressing or whatever. Fine. But then don't then like turn the entire conversation about what I'm eating. Right. Like, oh, you can't eat. Right. (laughs) I can't. You're right. I cannot. (laughs) So, like, I think on two levels, it's like when, because there are a lot of, there's a lot of this happening in the world right now. Like, let the people, let the people who eat the the most expansive meal choose the place, and then don't put all of the conversation and topic on the person who's choosing to do something different. Just let them do their different thing, and let the let the world just be who it is. Like, you eat whatever you want. I'll eat whatever I want. We weren't sharing plates anyway, so it's fine. (laughs) But I think that's a really, like, there are so many times when that would have helped um, just like a social interaction for me that I wish more people knew about that. I think that's a, it's it's a thing to just like, think about when you go out with somebody because there will, you will be out with someone who won't eat gluten or you will be out with someone who's a vegetarian or you will be out with someone who 
won't eat greens or whatever. Those are right. all going to happen. Just deal with that. Right. Who cares? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's my corporate rant for the for the day. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you pause that? I got to use the restroom real yeah, fast. No Excuse me. Really, it just boils down to us getting on with it. Just like the diet thing, you know, let's all go into the yoga studio and you do your practice. I'll do my practice. And if we do that enough times and we talk about it openly, we're going to reach a greater understanding together. And so if you consistently practice vegan eating as your dietary lifestyle and I practice something different, but we're openly communicating and collaborating together on best practices in that. Yeah. I'm going to incorporate things that work for you and you're going to incorporate things that work for me and we're going to reach truly best practices because yeah. there's there's a universal like flow of life mm-hmm. and it's how everything is evolving and it's how everything is so like it's how a flower blooms and is perfect, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's the reason we can see the flower and see its perfection in the first place. And I think we've, we've definitely come a very long way in consciousness as far as evolving ourselves as human beings in a world that's incredibly beautiful with amazing technology. And all of these things can get in the way of mm-hmm. our continued advancement, our continued evolution. Yeah. And, and yeah, so the, the best... The best advice for anything is just do what you know is right and trust that everyone else is doing the same and just get on with it and consistently make an effort towards, you know, we, we let go of our ideas about what the right thing to do is enough times so that something better can take, take its place. And I think that's the most important thing. You know, we've always got to, we've always... Well, hopefully the idea that there's something better for us is an ideal aspiration to move towards. Mm -hmm. And in any human being, no matter what they're doing, if they can aspire towards something greater, then they're always going to put the best foot forward and it's going to feel better than anything else that they can do. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, the desire to continually progress is a really important aspect of, um, of, of progression, right? If you don't have the desire to progress, you're not, you're never going to take the steps that it, you just, there's, you, you can get too comfortable, I guess is what it is. For sure. Right. We can, we can just say, this is where I am. For sure. And if you look at, uh, kind of the, the, the modern life cycle of humans, there's a point when that happens, right? Like for most people, it's retirement. And then they're just like, I'm done. Right. And that there's not a lot of new, that's, it's not true for everyone for sure. Um, but for a lot of people, when they, when they feel like they've hit retirement, they stop progressing. They stop learning new skills. They're just like, this is what, this is it. Mm -hmm. This Um, is it. And that's a, the average age of, of death is five years after retirement. Really? For in, in America, at, at least I, I think I remember that statistic somewhere, but mortality rate increases yeah. tremendously within five years of retirement. That makes sense. When you give up. People's will to live yeah. is, there's no longer a purpose. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's purpose that the human consciousness, that all beings strive for purpose. Yeah. And the greater that purpose can be, 
the more motivation we have towards it. And the more motivation we have towards it, the more joy-filled our day, the more ambition I have, the more people I want to connect with, the more yeah. change I want to make. It doesn't matter what that looks like. It just matters that it is. Yeah. Because purpose is what drives existence forward. Yeah. Becoming legendary, you know, because the greater your purpose yeah. is, the more of a legend you're For leaving. Sure. Because yeah. we read about all of these, the myth, I love mythological stories and I love stories in the Bible and I love just stories in general, but yeah. the stories that have lasted the longest time over many years are the ones that are, we're like, we read about these heroes and we're like, holy crap, that person did something legendary. For sure. And it's just to remind us that we are capable of that. Yeah. And we've got to connect to that. Yeah. And that's that's the gift we have. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Alright, Grant, this is gonna be my last question for you. Um same way same way we end them all. Do you have any questions for me? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is the realest thing that you know? Mm. The realest thing that I know, I love it. Uh, the realest thing that I know is failure is not an option. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> this is a thing that is that we've, we've chatted about this a little bit in some peripheral ways, but I think we're so, and, and part of this might have like, it might be intensifying based by uh, social media because everyone's showing highlight reels. Now we've developed this huge fear of failure. And, um, failure, we're all going to fail and it's not that big a deal. And we don't need to pretend that we don't fail. Like you're going to fall down. You're going to look stupid. Like all these things are going to happen and just get up and smile. Like when you, if you could, if we could pause the the acute responses that happen when we're in the midst of something that's really terrifying in the moment and we could say okay in a year and a half how like what is it gonna matter that i spilled (laughs) on my shirt like am i gonna care in a year and a half that i got pizza sauce on my shirt and then no you're not (laughs) Like, I think that if we could just, if we could, if we could all be willing to just accept that we're fallible and we're going to have things happen to us and that we're going to look goofy and we're not perfect and doesn't matter how much time you spend on being perfect, you're not going to be. Right. That's it. Right. Success is just failing over and over and over again and starting up again with the same enthusiasm you had the first time. Thing I'm gonna, I love that man <laughs> the realest thing failure is not an option I'm going to flip that around and say the same thing you know are we going to care if we nail a handstand a year and a half from true. now you know? <laughs> true true what, what and, and then the, you know once we have That's an so answer perfect. you know once we have an answer and it's like no well what will we care about yeah and it's like dang I care more about the legacy yeah. that I'm going to leave I care more about the people that I've impacted yeah I don't I don't give a shit about yeah. the pizza sauce or the handstand or whatever. You're so right. You know, it's like both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. 
I'm stretching the timeline out. What matters the most if I look at this in a, in a, the biggest pot, you know, zoom all the way out. Yeah. And then freaking, you know, it's like, dang, what, what does matter? And then we're like, yeah, kind of like chop wood, carry water. Let me make someone smile at the grocery store, put away their cart and I've done my job. For sure. <laughs> it's so, it's so true. I, I love that because I, I think we also forget that. Like we, we forget that when we have success, we forget about our success five minutes after because now our now our goals fifty meters in front of us again. For sure, like it doesn't. We're never going to get to the point where we're like, "Boom! I'm the best ever. This is great." <laughs> so just like deal with that. <laughs> like you can feel like you're the best ever for five minutes. For sure. But in ten minutes, you're going to be like, "Well, now, now I'm suck again." Yeah. Now I can walk across the room on my hands. Well, now I want to do it on my fingers. Right. <laughs> Right. So it's a, I, I really like, I really like that you flip that because I think that's, that's just as important is yeah. that our, our, our quote unquote successes also don't matter. Right. The only thing that matters is, is how we can move forward our community in a positive way. I would agree. And it's the only thing that matters. Grant, thank you so much for coming on mm. Becoming Legendary, man. You're the best. You're welcome. Thank you, brother. Feelings mutual. And that is becoming legendary for this week. Uh, We have some really fun stuff coming up that I can't wait to share with you. Make sure you are following uh, Vitality on Facebook or maybe Vitality on Instagram to get that information as soon as it breaks. Talk to you soon. Peace.